Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. When you were little, do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up? Maybe you are currently little. What do you want to be when you grow up? When I was small, I wanted to be an actor in movies. I distinctly remember uh, on one occasion in kindergarten, filling out one of those forms your teacher gives you where you say, my name is Harrison, my favorite color is blue, my favorite game is this. When I grow up, I want to be an actor. She put it on the door. Now, I remember wanting to be an actor because I thought it would be amazing to be in those stories. Spider-Man, Indiana Jones, Star Wars. What if my job was to just be in amazing stories all the time? So five-year-old me thought the actor's life was calling. Well, then adulthood came, and my Hollywood career never materialized. And yet, even though I'm not an actor, I firmly believe that I am no less part of an amazing story today. Our scripture lessons today tell us that all of us are part of the most amazing story ever told. It is that true and triumphant story of God's plan to bless and renew the whole world through his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are caught up into that story. We experience it as reality, not just two hours in a theater or two hours on Netflix, but our whole lives, our whole uh, experiences are caught up into that story. And God invites us to be active participants in that story with our whole lives. In today's gospel reading, we heard about Jesus' appearance to his disciples after his resurrection from the dead. And there's the curious and famous case of Thomas the Apostle. For whatever reason, Thomas is absent from the gathering when Jesus appears to the other apostles. And then later, despite everybody testifying to their eyewitness experience with the risen Lord, Thomas finds it a bit too difficult to believe. He knows his friend was arrested and executed just a few days before. How can they possibly say he's alive now? But of course, Jesus appears again later. Thomas is present that time. And in the famous scene, he invites him to touch the scars in his hands and feet. Thomas is convinced of the risen Christ, and he boldly says, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus gives the closing words of this short narrative. And these words are wonderfully inviting and challenging and comforting to all of us here today. The Lord says to Thomas, You believe because you saw me, but blessed are those who believe even though they haven't seen me. So I'd like us to ponder this question 
Are we at a disadvantage because we haven't seen Jesus with our own eyes? Sometimes it feels that way. Sometimes it feels agonizing to go through life being told, believe in Christ. Find your hope in what we celebrated last Sunday. And yet we can't see him. See, I believe and have confidence in my marriage because I see Sam every day. I believe and find joy in creation because I can look out the window and see it. But I can't see Jesus. So doesn't that put me at some kind of a loss? Maybe I'm the only person here who's ever felt this, but I doubt that I'm alone. I think Jesus himself understands that feeling. He anticipated that we might have this difficulty. I mean, scripture plainly even says in Hebrews that faith is to believe in things we can't see. So Jesus knows this would be difficult, but he gives us the comfort in the words to Thomas that we are able to lay hold of today. Thomas, you believe because you see, but blessed are those who will believe even though they haven't seen. St. John himself closes this narrative with his own short explanation. These things were written down so that you, people who would later hear about these events, might have life by believing that Jesus is the Son of God, even though you haven't seen him. Blessed are you, Grace Anglican Church, when you believe in Jesus Christ, even though you haven't physically seen him. St. Peter says the exact same thing in today's epistle reading. We heard these words from 1 Peter chapter 1 just a moment ago. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. You rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. You are obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Listen to that again, brothers and sisters, as a message of scripture right to us. Even though you have not seen him, you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. But how? How can we be sure? Well, Peter helps us there also. He says in verse 3, God has given us rebirth through the resurrection of Jesus. Or, to say it another way, God has caused us to be born again through the resurrection of Christ. Because Jesus died and lives the new life, we die with him and live that new life as Father Jeremiah reminded us last Sunday. In Galatians, Paul says, I no longer live. I died with Christ, and now his life is in me. New life, a born-again existence. That is ours because Christ is risen from the dead. And a result of this rebirth, Peter tells us, is hope and joy. Verse 3, Peter says, we are born again into a living hope. And in verse 8, he says, we are filled with inexpressible joy. 
through the life of Christ in us, we have true hope and we have true joy. Now, I can't go out among you with a joy and hope scanner and check and see how high you rate on the joy and hope meter, but I can experience it with you and I can observe it in you. All of us in Christ live and share this newfound joy and hope together. I mean, I, I have witnessed this recently in the life of someone I know who recently passed from unbelief to belief in Christ. And there is a joy and a hope, tangible hope there that was not there previously. It is the hope and joy imparted to us in this born again life, which God has given us in the resurrection of Christ. You are not at a disadvantage because you haven't seen Jesus. You are real parts of his story. But we can receive even more comfort and assurance than this from today's gospel reading. Just before Thomas's refusal to believe, we heard about Christ giving the Holy Spirit to his apostles. He says to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Jesus gives them peace and says he is sending them, sending them out to continue his own work of bringing peace, bringing shalom. And what does this peace bringing work entail? Verse 22, Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive someone's sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive someone's sins, they are not forgiven. The sending out of the apostles entails this continuation of Jesus' ministry of forgiving sins and calling people to reconciliation with God. And this is truly glorious, brothers and sisters. You see, in just a few moments, in this room, our priest will invite us to humbly kneel and confess our sins to God. Then he'll stand up and face us, and he will fulfill these words which Jesus spoke to the apostles. When our priest turns around and forgives us, he is fulfilling Jesus' commission. Your sins are truly forgiven. And then he will say to us, the peace of the Lord be always with you, and we will say, and with your spirit. Forgiveness of sins and peace. It's exactly what Christ gave to the apostles, fulfilled in our very presence here today before our eyes. As Anglican Christians, we believe in the ancient Christian teaching of apostolic succession. Christ gave authority to the apostles here in John 20 to care for the church and continue his ministry. We believe that the apostles bestowed that authority on their successors, and they bestowed it on their successors, on down through history till this very day. Our bishop ordained our priest, who shares in that same authority that Jesus gave to the apostles. And we, by God's grace, experience it every week. Last Sunday, we celebrated Easter. 
we sang and remembered the story, the victory of Christ over death. But if you're anything like me, that story can feel far removed. 2,000 years ago, how on earth does that affect me? Something that happened 2,000 years ago. But in the church, God brings us into this story truly and sacramentally. Christ commissioned his apostles to continue that story of forgiveness and new life 2,000 years ago, but that story reaches out and brings us into it today. Your sins are truly forgiven because Christ died and rose again. Though you haven't seen him, we will truly experience the fulfillment of Jesus' words here during our worship today. John himself says at the conclusion of today's passage, These things are written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and that by believing in his name, you may have life. So brothers and sisters, believe in the name of the resurrected Lord Jesus. Find that hope and joy in his name. Find that peace in the forgiveness of all your sins. We are not disadvantaged just because we haven't seen him. But as Peter says, we are indeed receiving the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. Earlier I said I always wanted to be in fantastic stories as a child. But I firmly believe that all of you and I are, in fact, drawn in to the greatest story ever told. No, we're not in movies. Far better than that, we are in real life. The true story of God bringing rebirth and new life to the world through Jesus. In his wisdom and providence, God has given us the scriptures so that we can hear and believe in the resurrected Christ for new life. And God has given us the church, our Christian family, with our ministers who carry on the Apostles' Commission and Christ's ministry. Every Sunday, you and I are reminded that we are true actors in the story of Jesus. God the Father is the director. The resurrected Christ is the star. And you and me, little old Grace Anglican Church, by the forgiveness of sins and life in the Holy Spirit, are blessed to be the supporting cast. So take comfort. Be not dismayed. Be not discouraged. As Jesus said to Thomas, do not be unbelieving, but believe. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.